This offseason, we've done uh, the same thing we did the last two years. We've tried to change it up. So this year, we studied the New, Ze New Zealand All Blacks, most successful sports team in the history of really teams over 100 years. They've had the highest winning percentage. And so we took a deep dive. We took six weeks. We took a title and a mantra from them and studied those things for six weeks because we don't want complacency. They've done it better than anybody else, and we use that. One of their big mantras is better never rests. We believe that. Those are strong words now when you think about it. Think deep on it. Better never rests. Our kids understand it. Our kids have learned it. What drives us? For this season is intrinsic motivation. We're not going to be controlled by outside narratives and what people say and, and who's going to be the quarterback. The intrinsic motivation comes from within and what we decide to do. Welcome to the Georgia Show. I'm Wes Blankenship. Rusty Menzel and Palmer Toms are back from the Music City, and we'll hear everything they thought about hearing from Kirby Smart there in the big room and Georgia's players. But the football team, notable newsworthy information – came bright and early on Tuesday morning when we learned about Smile Munden and Branson Robinson, I think. Palmer, what would you uh, take away from that little update from Coach Smart? Yeah, Kirby told us that those two guys, two players that are pretty important, um, you know, your leading tackler from last year and a, and a player at a position where there's not a ton of depth in Smile and uh, Branson Robinson there, probably – uh, could miss some time. Both will miss the start of fall camp, um, at least won't be cleared for the start of fall camp. They should be running by then, uh, and, and their status for early in the season is still up in the air. So, um, you know, it's it's not great news. Um, I, I do think it's he, – he did say that he feels like that they've progressed um, a little bit and that they are making uh, strides in the right direction. Um, you know, said that he wasn't certain at one point whether they would miss time. Now he's, uh, you know, the, the expectation was that they would miss time. Now he's not sure whether they will or won't. So that feels like a good update. And then obviously some good updates on some other players too. Yeah. Um, as far as Smile Munding goes, it sounded like it was a little bit more upbeat. And Branson Robinson may be the one that fans are not as pumped to hear about because that running back depth, I think when you hear that neither one is fully ready to go, uh, but with Branson, from what we're hearing and what we're thinking, it, it sounds like that's the worst case scenario. Not the worst case, but the worst case out of himself and Smile Munden. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, um, you know, the, the, the depth is a concern at, at that position. I mean, you've got five scholarship running backs. One of those is coming off of an ACL tear, um, you know, not quite coming up on a year ago. Um, so he probably won't be, you know, a back to 100% full speed. Um, you know, when, when things are going, he'll still be shaking off some of that rust. Um, you know, so you're down to four guys. Branson would be one of those four. Uh, and so if, if you're down to three with Kendall Milton, uh, who's, who's battled injuries throughout his career, Dejan Edwards and, and a true freshman, Roderick Robinson, you could be relying on some running, uh, some, some walk-on running backs there. Um, Cash Jones, Savon Clark, Lynneth Whitehead, um, who they brought in from the transfer portal from Tennessee, um, played a little bit of linebacker, a little bit of running back um, in Athens native there. That's definitely the more concerning of the two because of where it looks like that he is in terms of his comeback from that injury and also the depth, because you look at that 
linebacker room and they'd be okay if they didn't have Smile Munden for the entire season. They've got that much talent. I mean, that's not to say that you want to play without Smile Munden. You've got them on your team. You know, you want to have them out there. But with the talent that they've got in that room, you know, next to him, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Xavier Sori was the highest rated of those guys uh, coming out of high school or, or one of the higher rated, higher rated than Jamon for sure. Um, you know, depending on who you looked at there, he, he was up there with Smile as well, five-star guy. Um, you know, the, the guys that they brought in, um, you know, with, with Raylan Wilson, C.J. Allen, Troy Bowles, they've got tons and tons and tons. Jalen Walker, another guy that, that, you know, how can you forget him? Uh, you know, incredible player from last season's freshman class. They've got tons of talent in that room. And so they'll be okay there with or without Smile Munden. Uh, you know, they should have him at some point. Branson Robinson is, is the one that you would prefer to have back a little bit quicker. Seemed like the update on Kendall Milton, though, was was pretty uh, was pretty positive, Rusty. Yeah, I mean, can you guys hear me? I had to switch up computers. Yeah, we got you. Make sure. I uh, always keep a backup, but – yeah, I think uh, that that was a you know a positive as well. But you know, me and Palmer touched on this thing, and Wes, I think you would agree. Kind of makes you a little bit nervous with Branson Robinson, Smile Monday, not really having a hey, everything's you know good to rock with those guys because those are two extremely valuable pieces. But that running back position, we could talk about that for a while. Andrew Paul coming off an ACL, uh, you know, you got Kendall Milton who's been banged up at times, you know, through his career. So uh, it's important that Kendall Milton. Um, is healthy and you know kind of shows those flashes what he's shown uh, late in the year last year catching some balls against TCU and doing some things like that so we'll see that running back position is going to be the one that Georgia fans are kind of wondering where the production is going to come from there was a uh, thread on our board that was kind of calling into question maybe doubting a little bit whether or not Georgia has that uh really good set of hands coming out of the backfield that Kenny McIntosh had and James Cook had the year yep. before that. And I, I don't want people to forget about Dejan Edwards, uh, yep. old mustard back there, man. I, I think he can catch the ball pretty well. I know that Kenny McIntosh, from what uh, Coach McGee said, had the best hands since DeAndre Swift was back there, and that's really high praise. But uh, I, I would encourage the fans, even with this, I guess, questionable depth situation at running back don't forget about Edwards back there I just think that you know you're not looking at and and I agree with you those guys are capable of of pass catching and that's certainly been an emphasis this offseason they haven't been asked to do it because they've had Kenny McIntosh on the roster as long as they've been there Um, would I bet on one of these running backs finishing top three and receiving on the team (laughs) no no one's going to go over 500 yards um, but I, I think that that's maybe a little bit of an unrealistic expectation. I think as you look back, you know, James Cook, that 2021 season um, w- was a top five pass catcher. It's 27 catches for 284 yards. Maybe that's more realistic, but I think you could also be looking at, you know, maybe like what he did in 2020, 16 catches, 225, two touchdowns. Um, and, and to get that out of a running back, you know, with, with the other pass catchers that they have, that's plenty. That's plenty. And, and get the ball in the hands of those other pass catchers and, and you know, don't risk putting miles on these running backs where depth is a concern, like we've said. Don't risk putting the miles on them uh, out of the backfield as pass catchers when you've got other guys that can catch the ball. Yeah, the way the schedule sets up, I wonder if we won't see a lot of Cash Jones in some of these early games that 
presumably should be pretty lopsided because you just don't know how that depth is going to shake out. Andrew Paul, Kirby Smart said he's kind of your traditional ACL case where he's ready to go, but he doesn't expect him to be 100% just yet. But I'm excited to see that guy. I know that uh, Del McGee kind of found a, found a diamond in the rough there. So I'm excited to see what that kid out of Texas does. All right, let's get to some of the more, uh, I guess, media day centric storylines. And we had it mentioned up here in our comment section that Kirby Smart is a master motivator. Jake Rowe and I spoke about this earlier today. And what we are looking for is what we got. We got a really organized message. We got a new slogan out of it, Rusty. And like you predicted, like we said earlier on in the week, this was the opportunity for Kirby Smart to speak to his players. And when we heard from his players that were there, they were already just spewing out that better never rest tagline. Georgia's football season has officially started now that they have a new slogan. Yeah, I mean, Kirby knows. Kirby knows this is his opportunity to get in front of the entire country. But most importantly, you know, what he's worried about is that football team at the University of Georgia. Uh, and, and he knows his his, his team's going to be watching him speak up there. And and uh, when you look at that, it better never rest. I I, it, I was sitting beside Jake, and I said, look, that, there it is. Everybody was waiting on that <laughs> thing. And you're like – and I think Wes retweeted and said, there you go. You know, you you're knew Leonardo it DiCaprio and Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. It, it. Yeah. Yep, that was it. You're <laughs> like, wait a minute. There it is. And uh, when you started talking to the players and stuff, you could already say that. that you, you just don't say it. At media day, it's what you said there, Wes. That thing they've been they've been pounding that for you know a while uh, in their team and and in the all season talks and those types of things. So uh, you, you know Kirby Smarts, he understands the scope of yesterday. He understand he was going to have some questions outside of his program off the field, but he also knew that he had to talk about his program and deliver his message for his team. And he also you know he mentions. We're not going to let somebody control the narrative about who's starting quarterback and all those kind of things and the quarterback reps. He kind of set the tone for the for fall camp, you know, because we we our subscribers and you know the job we do. Everybody wants to know how's how does this kid look, how this guy look, you know. We try to figure out those types of things as those practices are closed. Uh, but when you look at that, uh, he he set the tone a little bit by saying, "Hey, nobody outside of our program is going to set the narrative on on the quarterback position and those types of things." Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's also, I mean, the the, the motto, um, it, it's one that's fitting for the place that Georgia is at. I mean, last year it was all about, you know, uh, you know, still being hungry, being the hunter, you know, avoiding the complacency and coming off of that first championship where you had so much to replace, um, you know, coming off the second one, there's a lot less to replace, you know, not, not there's, you know, there were 15 draft picks, uh, the first championship team, 10 off of this one. You've got a lot of experience returning, leaders returning. And so, you know, how do you build on that? Well, those guys have to get – continue to grow and get better. And, you know, it's it's still around the general concept of, of complacency and avoiding it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, in terms of where these guys are at and, and where this team is at um, – I think it's a it's a great motto for them because of what they bring back, what the expectations are for those guys. Well, you want to see them continue to grow and continue to take steps forward. And so, you know, Brock Bauer said it. 
You know, if, if, if we're going to, we're going to go out every day and if we're not getting better, we're getting worse. You know, everybody's trying to catch up to us. And so um, they know it. These, these players know it. These coaches know it. Kirby knows it. Uh, and, and the fans certainly know it too. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's a, it's a good motto for this year. Um, better never rests. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think Kirby never rests. And I think that within that slogan, if you take the S off the end, it's more of a command. You better never rest because yeah. you're yeah. going to lose your job if you yeah. do, or you're going to get a text message from Kirby Smart. We heard no a lot from uh, Cedric Van Pran. He's certainly that leader and spoke about the All Blacks and, and uh, that rugby team that's the greatest sporting team ever. I'm sure a lot of Georgia fans are going to be really well-versed at their tailgates this year, yep. telling all their buddies their all-blacks knowledge that they've learned because of Kirby Smart. But one point that he brought out was uh, the narrative of the the idea of eating off the floor, which Kamari last year pointed out, but sweeping the sheds. And that was something that this rugby team did when they were on their ascent. Everyone picked up their own trash. They did their own things. They cleaned out their locker room. And when they stopped doing those little things is when they stopped winning, essentially, is what uh, Cedric Van Pran said. And I think it's pretty uh, appropriate that he's the guy that kind of relayed that message because I see him as the kind of player on the team that is leading that initiative within Georgia's locker room. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Go, Go ahead, ahead Rusty. Well, I think Cedric Van Pran, look, I told everybody up there, um, Monday night, um, we were around, and I think the people all day long was kind of asking about the Georgia player and stuff. And I said, look, this Cedric Van Pran, uh, you wait till he gets in front of the mic and people realize how sharp he is. Andy Staples had him on with us at the on three table. And, uh, you know, when you when you sit down and meet with him, I said it the day that Georgia got him and kept him. This guy, that was an invaluable piece to come back because it's hard to replace – you know, a lot of experience, but you're talking about replacing a quarterback and a center if he leaves. So with him coming back, really bringing that continuity and you have a locker room guy like that to, you know, nobody knew the offseason we were about to stare down with this Georgia Bulldog football team, but a Cedric Van Pran, uh, I think it's written now in Jake Rowe, and I agree that he was the one that talked to the team last week. But uh, when you look at, you know, you just don't have one conversation with a team. Uh, these guys continue to lead the off-season workouts and those types of things where the coaches are not around. So, Cedric Van Pran, man, I, I sit there and watched him and Ben Jones talk yesterday, and, like, Ben Jones, he was just – he couldn't get enough. Like, he gave him a big old bear hug, you know, and they're standing in the middle of the ground there talking, and just you could just tell that Ben Jones is a huge fan of his. And uh, what, a, what a guy to look up to if you're Cedric Van Pran. If you're going to play center in the NFL, man, you look at Ben Jones and his career, you know, how he kind of came through Georgia, played for Stacey Searle. So they both kind of have that in common as well. So I kind of stood back and took that picture. I knew that was one of those moments you kind of kind of get a capture on that. And, uh, you know, Cedric Van Prano, man, very, very impressive. I'm surprised Ben had his shoes on. I'm pulling the tweet up now. <laughs> Did he have shoes or flip-flops? I can't remember. No, nah, he had he had like the, the dad New Balance. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah. So he, I, lo uh, I love I love the old picture of him when it's all snowy out at Arrowhead and he's walking out there barefoot. He's a maniac. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, um, though, you, him coming off the field, you know, hurt and playing that game, and you see the coach come up and hug him, man. I mean, uh, you know, that that dude, that, that guy right there is wired different, uh, Ben Jones, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think that, Russ, you're right there with, with Cedric returning um, such a huge thing. I mean, I, I remember – 
you know, that that's the that's the kind of thing that we went live for right away. You know, I yep. pulled over. I remember I was in the Jittery Joe's parking lot and we were talking about Cedric Van Pran and the importance of him returning. Um, you know, just just you know, those are the kinds of people that you want representing your program, obviously yep. with the with the off season that it's been. Um, but he he's certainly one of those guys that is the the leader of this group. And you know, when, when you think about you know, I mean, it, it starts with the little things and. It, whether it's cleaning up the locker room, which he said they've got a much cleaner locker room this year, sweeping those sheds. Um, but, you know, it, it, he's he also said that he's the kind of person that he's not afraid to raise his voice at someone and and let them know that they've done wrong and, and you know, hold them accountable. He talked about that a lot um, early on during the day and, and, you know, how it is that these players hold each other accountable on and off the field. And I think that with the, again, with the off season that it's been, you, that's absolutely what you want to hear. You want to hear that these players are not only holding each other accountable on the football field, but off of it as well. Um, Brock Bowers, we heard a, an interesting story about him absolutely destroying every other Georgia tight end uh, running around the football field. Literally, you can't even assemble a super team of tight ends to run faster than Brock Bowers on this team right now, which is nuts. But Bowers spoke on uh, Sirius XM and said that Lawson Lucky is pushing him competitively, which was kind of surprising. Maybe Bowers is just uh, giving a little bit of confidence to the young pup, but that, that kind of stood out to me as something that wasn't a huge headline. Yeah, I've known Lawson Lucky now for since his end of his sophomore year, and um, you know he's had a really, really good – um, spring, and I know Kirby and all that staff is, you know, kind of downplayed when it got brought up, you know, during the kind of the spring uh, media days. But listen, there was a prospect that watched him scrimmage that was committed to University of Georgia at one time, and Lawson Lucky had three touchdowns that day uh, as a true freshman. And a few weeks later, that prospect wasn't committed. Now, you know, Georgia wanted to keep that player, but they're, uh, you know, my opinion, he's probably looking around going, wait a minute, this guy right here's. I mean, I don't know if I can get some reps of those type of things maybe, but Lawson Lucky certainly created a lot of buzz. But I'll tell you this, um, our, our good buddies at Dog Nation, uh, I think Jeff Santel wrote the article, and it talks about, you know, his little brother has special needs and, and deals a lot of stuff. And they had to get him back from, I think, 30A around the Gulf, uh, going back home to Atlanta. And Lawson basically sit in the back of the car with him and held his head up the entire time, to five or six hours before they got him home. And, you're talking about a kid that um, has seen every aspect of life from being a major, major superstar high school football player, but he also a very, very family-oriented type kid. And, you know, he's – look, man, I know this about Lawson Lucky. He loved football a hell of a lot more than he did recruiting. Uh, he wasn't really in the limelight stuff. He was all about business. And I, I will be extremely – I won't say – I won't put that on him, but I'll be very surprised if Lawson Lucky doesn't leave University of Georgia – with a very deep resume. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. There you go. 
Uh, Kamari Lasseter also attended, and he spoke a lot about how impactful his mom was in his football career, and Georgia fans are expecting a lot of big things out of him. We have every single opportunity that Georgia players sat at that we're allowed to post uh, behind a microphone on our YouTube channel. Kirby Smart, multiple yep. media rooms. Uh, Cedric Van Pran, Brock Bowers, Kamari Lasseter, they spoke in multiple media rooms as well. So make sure you check that out if you haven't done so yet. Give us a like and subscribe. We uh, brought back a huge haul from Nashville, and these dogs represented Georgia pretty well. Um, and, shame, guys, and, shame, and one more thing, Andy yeah, Staples, yeah. Who, Andy Staples, who joined us as uh, one of our national, um, you know, writers. Now he he sat down with Kirby for about five or six minutes at the own three uh, table yesterday. So if you hadn't seen that, it's a really good conversation. It goes to everything from pickleball to to Brock Bauer. So it's a really really cool conversation. Yeah, that's why Staples is one of the best men. You never know yep. where his conversations are going to go. He rocks. Uh, hopefully, we can get him on here sometime sure. soon. Um, we love the dogs around here, but we also love bird dogs. And bird dogs is not an animal. It's a, uh, I'm going to take my screen full here. Bird dogs is a pair of shorts. And this is a pair that I got right here. And what, what I really like about bird dogs is they got this, this lining in the shorts. And I never knew that I would wear shorts like this, but they sent them to me to try out and I really can't emphasize enough how amazing these things feel. It feels like it feels like it should be illegal, is what I'm going to tell you. But it's not. It's allowed. You're allowed to do it. Bird Dogs does it. And if you go to birddogs.com with the promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, you'll get one of these bad boys at checkout just for following dogs hq a yeti style tumbler with your order of shorts jake roos is a big fan of these things if he was on here he'd tell you about it for for way too long so that's why i'm talking about it instead because we're going to keep talking about the bulldogs but for right now you can you can check out bird dogs and check out with a nice yeti style tumbler right now guys um let's talk about some recruiting SEC Media Days is great, but it's been way too long since Cruton has been the emphasis around here. And Justin Williams is down to two teams that I think we all kind of knew he would come down to, Georgia and Oregon. What are some of the pros and cons from Williams' perspective, Rusty, on why he might like Georgia or my, he, why he might like Oregon? Well, first of all, he's got a teammate committed to Georgia. Um and, and that's a that's a very that's a plus there. But you look at um, that's a plus for Georgia with this deal. But you look at Justin Williams, man, and 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 you you think back the first of June, we you know we have to report the news, and Georgia does not land Sammy Brown, who was a major major inside linebacker target. Uh, and at the time, I knew Justin Williams had a little bit. I, I knew he, Georgia was on their radar, but most people I talked to felt like Oregon was that team. Uh, and, and I think Georgia, for lack of a better terms, have kind of walked them down a little bit. And uh, it would be interesting to hear the recruitment of Dan Lanning versus Glenn Schumann because those two are really close and they've known each other a long time. And, and then you look at uh, they're going head-to-head for this guy, number one linebacker in the country on, on, on three and uh, for us. And, and I tell you, man, 
this would be a monster, monster get here uh, to, you know, July to have. As far as I know, that would be unless somebody pops up, which anything can happen anytime. I think that would be the last decision of a major Georgia target right now uh, that I know of. So coming up in July, I mean, but if you could finish the month off with July by landing this guy out of Texas, it would be massive. I'm talking about, and it's a position of need. I know they signed three last year, but you know, they got some guys that could probably leave early, those types of things. So you look, you look at that inside linebacker room and people ask me, do I think Georgia would take three? And I do think they would take three if they, if they were to get Chris Jones, Chris Cole and Justin Williams, I think Georgia would find a way to make it work. It's yeah. a, they'll take they'll take they'll take three if it's the right three. Kind yeah, of the deal. right three. Yep, 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 yep. So, uh, you know, they they missed a couple guys. You know, obviously some some guys they were recruiting as well. But man, Glenn Schumann, um, you know, once again, you look at him. If he goes back to back with with landing a five star like Justin Williams on top of C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson and those guys last year. Listen, I haven't really talked a ton about him because he didn't get there till late. But you know, I'm here. I'm hearing Troy Bowles has had a really good summer. You know, it might be a little better than some people thought down there in that room. So uh, that certainly would be good news. But you know, people keep asking me why would Georgia go back to back with six, and you just never know. With Smile Munden, Pop Johnson, Xavier Sorry, all those guys, um, you know, they could they could have years and leave early. And and the transfer portal era too. I mean, you know, yeah. when you bring in that many talented young players. Yes. You know, some of the older players may not want to stick around. Well, they know. They they see it every day. They're like, wait a minute, right. I'm gonna be fight, I'm gonna be fighting with this guy here all next spring, not knowing if I'm I'm even gonna start. So uh there's a lot of a lot of stuff there. But yeah, uh Rhett Walmack points out right here two two studs from Conroe. Conroe, is it Conroe? Conroe, Conroe? Texas. Conroe, Texas. Yeah, couldn't see it on my little screen here. Conroe, Texas. And uh, you know, if Georgia lands two kids out of the state of Texas, it just shows the it shows the brand and how national uh, Kirby Smart recruits. Listen to now, one kind of nugget I haven't mentioned, Fran Brown uh, has, is involved with this with Glenn Schumann too. So Fran Brown is in uh, as a as a, what I would call a secondary recruiter. And, man, you're talking, about, you're talking about a guy that's turned out to be a really good hire, especially as a recruiter. Fran Brown has done work and, you know, he signed some kids from, from Georgia, from Florida, from New Jersey, uh, Philadelphia. If he can help, if, if Georgia were to land Justin Williams, uh, Glenn Schumann's definitely the lead, but Fran Brown is definitely uh, helping out here. Uh, Dylan Brooks says it seems inevitable that Jalen Walker is going to bump out to outside linebacker because Georgia is loaded inside. I know Walker's pretty talented. I don't. I don't know if that's. I don't think what they're going to do. Well, they're going to use him like they did Quay Walker. You know, what I mean, they walked yeah. Quay Walker up. You know, but Quay Walker stayed inside probably eighty-five percent of his snaps, but. I think uh, he's so athletic, and, and especially last year, man, when they got banged up, they had to bring Jalen Walker in on, on some blitz stuff because, you know, Nolan Smith was out and Marvin Jones, which we didn't know at the time, was playing on a pitch count with a torn labrum. So you had to know George is sitting there thinking, man, we got to play Ohio State. Our best pass rusher's out. Um, our next guy, our young kid that's in here, he's on a pitch count because his shoulder's torn. Uh, we're just trying to get snaps out of him. So they had to get creative and use a kid like Jalen Walker. But Georgia's always done that. And especially when they play an athletic quarterback, uh, when they weren't as athletic as they should be at times, they would spy with a guy like Jalen Walker on a quarterback. So there's a lot of different ways you can use him. But right now, in my opinion, uh, Jalen Walker pr predominantly will stay inside linebacker, but they will not hesitate 
to use him as like like they did Quay Walker. No, and, and I agree there, and he's part of the reason that they are so loaded on the inside. Um, and and you've got to remember, you know, Jalen being a second year player would be a, a junior by the time that any of these guys arrive. Justin Williams, mm-hmm. Chris Cole, you know, Chris Jones, whoever. Um, you know, th- he's got such an age advantage on them um, that, you know, I-, I do think that he's probably going to stick inside. And, you know, keep in mind that they're pretty loaded out- at outside, too, when it comes to young guys. You know, mm-hmm. obviously they don't have a ton of experience and age there, but they signed three guys in this past class in Damon Wilson, Sam and Pemba and, and uh, Gabe Harris. You know, they signed Darius Smith and, and Marvin, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. In-, in this class before. They are pretty loaded on the outside there too. So it, yeah. it you know, if it, it's not a position that he's incredibly familiar with, you know, like you said, Rusty, they'll use him. Uh, you know, they'll use him in different ways, and I think that that's he plays linebacker. He doesn't play inside linebacker. He doesn't play outside linebacker. He plays linebacker, and you know, it, it's all dependent on situation with him. So Williams commits July twenty fourth. That is Monday. Certainly looking forward to that. And Nate Frazier on the other side of the ball, trending with Georgia as of yesterday. Uh, Georgia's in his top eight. Keegan Pope wrote this uh, from our On3 National News Desk. But uh, Georgia climbing ahead 84.7% of a chance, according to the RPM recruiting prediction machine here, 91.6 as of tonight. So it just keeps going up and up and up. I think I think Georgia's in a good spot there, uh, but but I'm not ready to say that one's over with. You know what I mean? I think there's some momentum there. I know Texas A&M, I think, is trying to get him on campus next week. Uh, Oregon's involved. Alabama's involved here. I, I think I'm comfortable in saying this will be over with before September. But as far as, like, knowing this is a – a set date or anything. I haven't heard anything even that behind the scenes or anything like that. But I think Georgia is the team that I would still pick right now. Uh, but this one's not over. So, you know, yesterday I started getting texts while I was in, in, in the media room like, hey, did, you know, does Nate Frazier, he about to commit? What's going on? I couldn't, I didn't realize what was going on either. Uh, I had to go back and kind of look at it uh, with Josh Newberg and we put piece together some stuff, made some calls, talked with Chad Simmons as well. And you know, we both kind of agree right now. I think Georgia is the team to beat, but I don't think this one's over. So I want to put a little bit of caution there uh, just for a little while longer. I think it's going to take maybe one more visit if he does go to Texas A&M next weekend. But I will say this, he does have an official left for, for to go to Georgia should he use that. So that's another uh, big advantage Georgia would have. Uh, Matthew C wants to know if Frazier can reclassify and join for fall practice. God, I, wish I don't think that's going to happen, Matthew C. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Not going to happen, but I don't think Georgia would. If, if he were to commit and sign some papers and you know be in the dorm next week, I don't think it would make anybody upset there. He's a very talented running back. Yeah, his his tape is stupid. Um, all right. Hey, so, and, you, and you know who he reminds us of on, on, on three is? I'm just scrolling through. Uh-huh. DeAndre Swift. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna guess. Could see that. Yep. He just man. he he looks like a dog, man. He just runs like a like a dog. He's angry. It's what you gotta do, man. It's that it's the word. I it's the it's the hot word, and I I use it on when I'm, my little TV spots in the games. It's called contact balance. Can you stay up 
bite off hits and get the extra yards. I, I don't think people people put so much stock in 40s and stuff. You, very, you rarely see a kid run 40 yards in a football game. You want to be able to take that third and three or at third and seven and move the chains uh, or turn it into third and three. So, uh, but I watch him and he's one of those kids. You start talking about contact balance because he runs through arm tackles and those types of things and stays upright. Uh, a lot of times turn him, you know, getting positive yards out of what you probably get two or three yards and winds up with eight. And that's how you end up with 10 carries for 110, uh, 115, those type of deals. Is contact balance the eye candy of 2023? Yes. That's the new word, contact balance. Go. Somebody, somebody used it somewhere last year, and I thought, you know what, that, that really is a good word. So I used it on TV like I made it up, I guess, too. Hey, that's what that's what Kirby does. He openly admitted to plagiarizing from the best, and that's just what you got to do sometimes. He's not writing a school paper. He's just trying to motivate his team. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. Uh, all right, so that's July 24th, KJ Bolden, August 5th. 5th. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's been a while since George has gotten a commit. I know our fans are getting a little bit antsy. Media Day's kind of held them over for a couple days, but they're going to be beating down our doors here in a few hours, I bet. The entire the entire Dogs HQ subscriber community is trying to send me on vacation August the fifth. Oh yeah, they're so, packing your bags for you. So I mean, you know, that's been they sent now they sent out a you know an invite to go to come to his to cover his event. So I'm going to have to take a poll on the dogs HQ, uh, <laughs> see if they want to see if they want me to go or not. <laughs> weigh, weigh the options. I, I know that, yeah. they, uh, I know that the board's been seeing the, the clips of him and Dylan throwing together, uh, out of their practice today. So, yep. uh, yeah. So they're, they're doing media. So it'd be interesting. I think Dylan Rayola, this is the first time he'll be in front of the media, uh, next week, the the media day in downtown Atlanta, uh, kind of involved with that with Score Atlanta, ninety one teams. Uh, it's from it's from nine Ooh. in the morning. Hey, it's nine in the morning till six at night. Man, and, just uh, a few years ago, I felt like it was only like a dozen teams or something. Maybe I'm exaggerating, yeah. but this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah they, I mean they they really wanted to, and, and the and the scope of it was looking at SEC media days and like you're like Georgia high school football is a big deal. I said, well, yeah. y'all get 90 teams in there. It's going to be a big deal. So, but, but Buford's going to be there. So, uh, the, what you do is you bring, you know, your head coach brings all of his seniors and you get to interview those players. So, uh, KJ Bolden, Edric Houston, Dylan Rayella, you can bet when Buford walks in the building, uh, there'll be some microphones and cameras around for sure. I think I went to the Henry County Media Days several years ago and Chris Rodriguez would have been there, right? Wasn't he yep. Henry County? Yeah, yeah. He's the only one that anybody really wanted to speak to. Um, recruiting's changed in a few years since then, and we touched on Brock Bowers. We spoke about Smile Munden. I want to hop back, back in time, not just in, in Kirby's uh, speech. He spoke about COVID babies. That's the first time I've heard anyone use that term to refer to college athletes. But that's yeah. what Kirby calls the guys that were recruited during 2020. And we all know about Brock Bowers sending the footage in, running up the mountains and running through the grapes and Napa and all that stuff. But it wasn't just him. There were a lot of guys that Georgia had to keep tabs on virtually, and it obviously paid off. I mean, that class has won a couple natties if they've stuck around for it. So, Rusty, let's let's take a look back, man. 
what was it like to cover recruits during this period? And could you have predicted the amount of success that this Georgia class was, was going to have at that point? You didn't know which way it was going to go because, you know, when we were all together at another place, I kind of felt like Georgia was at a disadvantage because Georgia does such a good job on their official visits. If you get those families there, that Georgia has a pretty good hit rate on their top targets. And I thought, man, these these kids aren't going to be uh, – think about this. Brock Bowers and his family flew from Napa Valley to Atlanta, got in a car, drove to Athens, got there and walked around and – I believe they had to FaceTime Coach Hartley as they're walking around the campus and he's pointing at, hey, that's our stadium. And you look right there and that's where we do the dog walk. Just, just think about Todd Hartley sitting there knowing that his top target is four blocks from him and he can't go see him. He can't shake, you know, can't shake the dad's hand. And man, it's just so, it's just so, I'm glad we're past that. But I'll tell you this the one thing I'll tell you is that Georgia did a tremendous job of getting those prospects to send in that tape. They didn't have camp. You know what they did? They had those kids. Look, Javon Bullard sent in one every day until somebody damn signed him. Kamari Lassiter, you know, they would send, you know, they were, they would ask him to do drills and stuff like that and film it, and they were sending those things in. So, which is really, uh, you know, kind of innovative. You, look, that's the only way you get tape then. And, uh, man, they hit. I remember going to see Smile Monday at Paulding County. And that was the first school that I was able to go watch work out. And there were that's when Georgia High School opened up the weight room. And I think only 15 kids at a time could work out. So mm-hmm. Smile Mike walks in. He's in the other corner. Out. I, I didn't know what was going on in the world. I didn't want to get anybody sick. I didn't want to get sick. I just went over there, stood in the corner. I watched Smile Mike work out. I kind of waved at him. Uh you know, we did a – I was probably 10 foot away with a mic stand doing an interview with him trying to get it. But, man, those days were – they were rough. But, you know, it, it, we got through it. But Georgia, how they adapted during that time is going to pay off this season because they got some very key members of that class. Uh, they're going to give them big minutes this year. Palmer, you wrote about it. It, it wasn't just the COVID baby stuff. It was the, the retention – the retention rate that Kirby really hammered home uh, of just keeping guys around. And I think it, it it's like a chicken and the egg thing now. It's the culture that they have. I'm going to put like, we're going to have like a swear jar on culture. We got to stop <laughs> talking about culture. I'm getting tired of it, but it clearly works. Uh, guys want to stick around. They want to come to work. They want to come play in this environment, even with all the bad stuff that everyone wants to focus on this off season. Clearly something's going right because there aren't a ton of guys leaving one way or another unless they're going to the NFL and going to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and and the coaches too. I mean, because Kirby talked about that with the retention rates is that all 10 assistants that are on this year's uh, you know coaching staff were on staff last year. Obviously, that you're replacing Todd Munkett at the offensive coordinator spot, but Mike Bobo being on staff – he said that, that he doesn't know if that's ever been done before with a national championship winning team. Uh, certainly didn't feel like it with most of those Alabama squads. The, the turnover there, you know, felt like we were seeing a new offensive or defensive coordinator every year, um, especially after Kirby left. I mean, the, the transitions from, 
you know, Lane Kiffin was there. Starkeesian was there. Kirby was there. Pruitt was there. Um, you know, obviously they've got two new ones this year. Um, so, you know, it, it's the coaches, it's the kids. It's like you said, it's, it's that C word that they create. Uh, you know, they, they've done a good job of, of creating a environment for these guys to, that they want to be a part of, um, going back to that class of 2021, um, you know, one thing that I think is particularly interesting with them, um, you know, and, and obviously it was a, a product of the time, you know, in the way that they were able to recruit, but Georgia recruits nationally so well. You couldn't really do that all that well in that class. And obviously they went to California and they got Brock Bowers, um, but they were 55% in state in that class since 2019. uh, You know, they have been 33% in 19, Uh, 2020, they were 32%, 2021, like I said, 55%, 2022, they upped it a little bit to 43. And then this past class, they signed 23% in state kids. They had to, they were forced to not only evaluate incredibly well, but evaluate that in state talent because people didn't know where they wanted to, where they could go. You know, it wasn't easy to, to travel. And so, you know, staying in state was, was attractive. And obviously, it's, it's a huge bonus that the Bulldogs have that it's such a talent rich state in Georgia. But it's also, you know, it, it might have been a little bit detrimental to them there as well because of that reach that they've been able to create under Kirby Smart. Those COVID babies, we're going to be talking about them for a long time, I believe. Uh, let's yep. chop some wood and get out of here. I'm going to chop some wood about the uh, just the vibe of Georgia. I wasn't at media days, but just watching from afar. Last year, you know, you come off one national championship. That's great. Uh, can you build something off it? Can you sustain it? You went back to back, and look, no one's saying that Nick Saban isn't the greatest of all time still. But from what I watched and what I saw, it really seems like Georgia and its players and Kirby, they've embraced being the class of the SEC. That's what they are right now. I'm sure they didn't go into media day saying we're the class of the SEC. But they carry themselves in a way that just shows they know they're the top dogs right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. You've won back-to-back. You've done it. You've proven it. Alabama's still going to be very good. Their players are trying to manufacture some disrespect it seems like saying that it's uh just crazy that no one picks them to win championships anymore i'm sure you're going to be really good again and i have no doubt that uh georgia will probably be facing either the tide or lsu again in atlanta i'd be surprised if it wasn't one of those two teams but at the end of the day right now it's georgia that's coming in to sec media days wherever it is in atlanta nashville dallas and that g on the helmet is kind of bringing the same vibes that that Alabama A brought to those media days in July for a long time. So, Chopping, what about that? I'm not saying it means anything about what this season is or where it's headed, but right now Georgia is embracing its role as the SEC's top dog pretty well. I will chop wood on two topics real quick, one being a super quick one. Football's close, guys. I mean, those, the seatback installations are underway. John Bateman, mayor of Millage, tweeting that out today, uh, that you know that the season's getting close when you start to see the uh, red seatbacks popping up all around the stadium uh, as you drive down Sanford. 
the other thing I will chop wood about, Georgia's portal pass catchers. So I talked to players from Mississippi State and Missouri about Dominic Lovett and Rod Rod Thomas. Lots and lots and lots of praise for those two players. Um, you know, Chris Abrams, Drain from, from Missouri, an all-SEC caliber corner, uh, talked about the battles that he and, and Lovett had. Um, obviously, Georgia felt that firsthand as, as he was – uh, you know, going having one hell of a game against the dogs last year, six grabs, 84 yards in the for, first half of that uh, near upset uh, up there in Columbia. Uh, and, and then talk to Will Rogers, Mississippi State quarterback. Um, those two connected 62 times, 878 yards and 12 touchdowns in two seasons. Um, last year, Thomas finished first in yards, second in touchdowns, fifth in receptions and you know, he, he he said they were on the same page, uh, you know, man-to-man coverage, that Ra Ra is the guy that you're looking for, try to get him the ball because he does a really good job of separating. Um, raw talent, again, you know, I feel like we talk a lot about some of these guys from Georgia or, or that are coming to Georgia. Didn't start playing football until he was a junior in high school. So still continuing to develop. He's now a uh, junior in college. Um, continuing to develop, has, has produced – at a high level already in the SEC. And I think the big things are ahead for both of those uh, transfer portal pass catchers. We'll chop wood for Brock Bowers because um, yesterday was so out of his comfort zone. That's just not his deal. Uh, Everybody I talked to that kind of knows him. uh, I talked to someone very, very close to him that sees him every day. and, And they told me, Monday, so man, this this kid's been dreading this, man. Like this has been giving him. He's been worried about it, and you know, not he's not scared of it. Just not his comfort zone, and I get it. You know what I mean? But what he did, and I watched him. So I walked up on his first kind of deal, you know, and he was like, man, you could see it kind of, kind of really seemed kind of tight, man. But as the day went on and the interviews, I went back and watched all the interviews and some pieces and stuff we had and some other places. Like he really did a great job yesterday and it's going to prepare him so much for the NFL media. I mean, he's going to be one of those kids that get invited to the draft, obviously. So he's going to get a ton of media and going through that yesterday for him, I think was really good. And Hey man, kudos dude, dude uh, had a, I guess he signed a deal with a rock. uh, NIL energy drink. Yeah. So I guess some people are saying something about uh, they all shot a commercial or something that's going to be out during the season. So, uh, when you look at that, uh, good for him and what he's doing. And I know that the Georgia staff is is standing there thinking, man, we got we got we got a fall camp and a season with 19, man. And we'll be talking about this kid for the next 40, 50 years in the University of Georgia and how good he has been. But more importantly, what what kind of a person he is and everybody just raves about him. But man, chopping wood to Brock Bowers because uh, he went up there yesterday and and he sat in front of a, a huge uh number of media and he held his own yeah just further proof to me that he's from planet krypton he does not want to interact with the human race he just wants to play ball and continue doing his work uh no but in all seriousness he crushed it man i know kirby put him out there because he wanted to push him that's That's what you have to do he's going to have the interview well at other places uh the combine all that stuff so there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide if you're Brock Bowers, not from the media. You got to embrace it and do it, and uh, I'm sure he'll get much, much better at it as the years go on. 
Thank you all for watching The Georgia Show. Hit like and subscribe if you don't already do that. DogsHQ.com is where everything is popping from SEC Media Days, from recruiting news. What's coming up next? Who's going to commit next? Who's eyeing the dogs? It's all over at DogsHQ.com. So sign up. If you like this, it's just scratching the surface. We'll catch you next time live here, 8.30 p.m. on Sunday.